Hello and welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. Our entire mission is to help you live on purpose, with purpose, and connect to the exact work that God has prepared for you and called for you to do. And I want to let everybody know out there that my book, you might have heard about it, it's coming out April 27th. It's called On Purpose, With Purpose, Discovering Your Best Life Now. And I would love for you to be a part of our launch team. We want to create a movement because here's here's what I believe. You know, we all hear about the why, the what, and the how. But what is absolutely foundational, what has to precede being able to connect to that, including our purpose and everything else, our calling is who we are. Not who we see in the mirror, but who God made us to be. And this book is about that entire journey. We're getting incredible feedback. So here's what happens. I'll just make this quick. Join the launch team. You just go to beyondinfluence.com forward slash book. You're going to get a free copy, a digital copy of the book. It's normally $16.99 when it's going to be on Amazon. Uh, you're going to get access to some uh, some of my courses. We got some great surprises. Also, the only thing I'd like you to do as part of the launch team is just order a copy of the book, lead us a review, and share some of the stuff that we're going to be putting on social media. So we just want to make an impact out there. So please join the On Purpose With Purpose launch team. And as a part of that circle of champions, we got some other great stuff uh, in store for you. So with that, we are, uh, we have a great episode for you coming up next. All right. Welcome everybody to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. Um, Today is a special day because we are welcoming Mark Batterson to the podcast. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, John. Matt, I was so excited. I got to tell you, and Jamie, I know you're listening. A good friend of mine, Jamie Gilbert, said, you know what? Have you ever read the book In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day? I'm like, uh, no, haven't heard of that. He goes, oh, man, best book ever. And so, Mark, I was so impressed because I'm like, okay, the entire book is from 2 Samuel 23, 20 to 21. Mark, you're like cruising through the Old Testament. You read about this guy. And how do you pronounce the name? Benaiah, Benaiah? How would you yeah. pronounce it? Here's what's funny, John. I pronounce it however, whoever I'm talking to pronounces it because <laughs> no one really knows, but I generally go with Benaiah. Well, yeah, so Benaiah drops into a pit, kills a lion, and then presses on. Yeah, so impact. But I got to tell you, it is a phenomenal book about chasing lions, living a life without regret, really stepping into your full potential. And um, so, Mark, I love your stuff. And so Jamie turned me on to you. And then I see that you come out with a new book. And we, I just want to let you know, too, our team and I'd encourage everybody out there listening to do this. Find books, read it with your family with your kids, if you're managing a team, leading a team, I this has been modeled to me for 30 years by some of the best leaders I've ever worked with. We were always reading a book and talking about it and applying it. So the book that you just wrote called Win the Day, Seven Daily Habits to Help You Stress Less and Accomplish More. Unless you guys want to accomplish less and stress more, this is not going to be the podcast for you. I'm just going to let you I'm just going to let you, you know off the bat, okay? But here's the other thing, too. Um, just reading a little bit and getting to know Mark, right? You're a big guy with kind of, you know, getting close to folks, developing a relationship, having nicknames, right? I know George W. Bush used to do that also. So I was telling Mark, you know, I was in the Navy as a fighter pilot. My call sign was Rammer. 
which was based on my last name, Ramstead. And so either you have a, a nickname, a call sign. And, and here's the deal, Mark. My wife, the guys in my squadron, Bird, Rat, Darth, Steamer, Nibs, I can go on and on. She didn't know anybody's actual real name. <laughs> nobody used them ever. Yeah. Like, hey, have you heard from Bird lately? I'm like, yeah, I know exactly who she's talking about. And, you know, you know, she might not even know that her his real name's Jay, but I just tell Mark, I said, you know what? If we had a Batterson in our squadron, and just getting to know Mark a little bit and through his writing, I would have probably it would have said on the side of your jet, Mark Slugger Batterson. Because I think because my son plays baseball, right? That slugger, he's that guy that you can just count on. He just steps up to the plate. It doesn't matter what kind of junk and nasty stuff the pitcher's throwing, because you just come up and you just crush it. <laughs> <laughs> and Mark, you've been doing that. Like, so uh, everybody out there, right? There's so much happening, right? A lot of you guys know my stories. I've recovered, right? This was this has been such a long journey. And often we, kind of, we look back, like, you know, it's so easy when you're in a bad spot to look back with regret saying, you know, what, what if, could I do that over? What if I'd made a different decision? What if I'd stayed at that job longer? What if I put up with that person a little bit longer? What if I had that crucial conversation earlier? So that flows through our head. And then we also think about, you know, what is, you know, shoot, like right now, one in three Americans have had a pay cut. There's a lot of uncertainty. We're starting to think about, hey, what does it look like in 20? By this time next year and two years and three years, what I found for myself, when I move my own head and my brain out, the farther I go into the present, I mean, the future, the more my stress and anxiety goes up. I mean, it just starts to rise. What I found was, and this is something that God gave me as I recovered. And that was to just, and this has been my prayer every day now, since nine years since my accident is God, just show me that next small step that I need to take today. Even if it's literally over the course of a day, one thing, that one phone call I need to do, that one thing I need to write, or just even just sit down in a chair quietly and think about it and journal on it. But what is that one thing? And God, in, in really partnering with the Father, trusting God with all these little small steps, he's led me on the most unexpected journey and path, nothing I would have ever planned on my own, to an outcome that is beyond anything I could have ever accomplished. And Mark, it's a very similar journey for you. And what I love is because from where you started and some of the things that you're going on today with the, uh, your, uh, Mark, is, if you guys don't, aren't familiar with Mark, just a quick background. You are a pastor in Washington, D.C., um, New York Times bestselling author. You started the D.C. Dream Center. You also started uh, what Capital Turnaround, correct? Yep. Which is grown into, they brought us, think about this. Sitting around with a bunch of friends, right? Probably sitting around with some friends going, hey, what if, what if, what if we bought it in the entire city block in DC and transformed it to serve the community? Hey, well, what would that cost? Oh, I don't know, 20, 30 million bucks. Well, let's take a small step in that direction. And now that's in place, isn't it, Mark? It is. Yeah. So we're going to talk about some really exciting things because I think right now, especially at this time in history, um, where we are at, especially going through times of adversity and, and what's happening in the world right now is not, is unfortunately, it's going to happen again. It doesn't matter whether it's a year or three or five years. 
I think what is so important for us is to develop and create habits that allow us to prepare for, you know, and take advantage and grow our crops in the good times and be able to weather and go through adversity and emerge on the other side, not only stronger ourselves, but help the other people around us emerge stronger. So I'm really excited about this conversation. And uh, Mark, a little bit, so before we get started, I'd love for you to maybe share a little bit about just kind of your whole journey and everything that's kind of led you to this point. And then I have some really specific questions about this book and everybody, we're going to dig into some of these key seven habits that I think is really going to help you out. I love it. Hey, and John, like right from the get-go, is it John or Rammer? What do I do here? Like what, are we going nicknames or real names? You know, Benaya, Benaya, man. I'm just going to let you go with whatever you, you, you do whatever you want. I love this. I will share this for listeners. I, I played college basketball and my nickname was the black hole. And uh, my nickname was the black hole because if you pass the ball to me, you weren't getting it back. I never saw a shot I didn't like. And so I think we're in good company. You know, Jesus called James and John the sons of thunder. So I love giving nicknames. And can I share one little fun fact, John? This is going to be so fun for listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So I'm recording the audio book for Win the Day. And my sound engineer says, hey, do you know in Hollywood, the way they used to give people uh, their names. And so people like John Legend, listen, that's not his name. Uh, Lady Gaga was not born Lady Gaga. These are stage names. He said the way they used to do it in Hollywood is they would take your first pet's name as your first name and your mom's maiden name. And so I have done this with our team, with other teams. It's a lot of fun. The bottom line, John, is you're talking to Muffy Johnson. I'm Muffy Johnson if we're going by pet name and uh, maiden name. So okay, so then funny. I would be yeah. I would be Barney Polifka. Okay, Barney Polifka. Yeah, that sounds I, like somebody that would hang out with. Uh, who's the purple dinosaur? Uh, yes, Barney. Oh, Barney, that is Barney. Yes, yeah. I'd be like <laughs> Barney's, like you know, goofy little cousin. I love it. Well, hey, what a fun note for us to start on today. <laughs> um, that is fun. You got to have fun. Yes, I love it. Well, talk to, you know, I, I would love to hear, you know, for the folks that aren't familiar with you, you know, up to today, what you're doing as an author, uh, pastoring a, a church in D.C., you've started Ebenezer's, which is one of the best coffee houses in D.C., and it is a total kingdom community the DC Dream Center, the Capital Turnaround, right? I, we see what you've accomplished today. And you know, it was interesting, Mark, when I first started the podcast, I'd have a lot of people on that have accomplished these incredible things and they would focus on that. And I got a lot of feedback from people saying, you know what, that's awesome. But you know what, I'm not wealthy. I don't have all this extra time. I want to talk to people that are, you know, I want you to bring people on the podcast that, that I can actually relate to. And that's what I love about you because you're so relatable because every step of the way, all the way through, you've just been, you know, somebody out there, but you keep moving forward. You keep taking risks. Um, you keep maximizing partnership with God, what you're doing right now today. And I honestly, that is a formula that no matter where anybody is out there in life should be encouraged by. And so with that, I'd love for you to share a little bit about, you know, whatever God's put on your heart to share kind of about your journey up till today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, here's a quick flyover. When I was 22, 
uh, graduated from college, didn't know what to do. So I did what you do when you don't know what to do. I went to grad school. I uh, went to seminary. And uh, 22, I felt called to two things, John. One, I felt called to pastor. Wasn't sure when or where or how. And I felt called to write. Now, the irony was that I had taken one of those graduate assessments where it gauges aptitude for different occupations. Bottom line, I have a low aptitude for writing. In other words, whatever you do, don't write books. And so writing is not a natural gifting, but the reality is when the day is book number 20 for me, uh, you know, I've had a couple of books sell millions of copies, which I would have never imagined. But if you hit the rewind button, I read 3000 books before I wrote one. And I know that uh, there might be some people that are, are thinking like, there's no way you read 3000 books over 13 years. Listen, we didn't have social media. I didn't have a smartphone. We spent 142 minutes a day on social media. You buy back two hours and 22 minutes, you can read a lot of books in that equivalent time. Especially so, on Audible at one and a half speed. Yes, exactly. I've been knocking out probably four, literally four or five books a month for the last probably four or five years. Amazing. And I mix it between pleasure books, fun books, and biographies and, you know, uh, spiritual books, business books, but I, I like yep. a blend. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So, you know, I, I read those books. I reverse engineered those books, but it took 13 years for me to write the first book. And so I hope that's encouraging to someone that, you know, by year 11, 12, I was so frustrated because I had nothing to show for what I really felt like was a calling. I felt like God had called me to do this, but I uh, didn't have a book to show for it until uh, that book that you referenced. A little shout out to uh, Jamie Gilbert again for uh, that recommendation, In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. That was and your first book. That was my first book. And then it was just sort of off to the races from there. And then wow. on the pastoring side, you know, the church I pastor now, we started with 19 people. And so there's nothing glamorous about that. We now have seven locations and uh, we have a dream center, a coffee house, a movie theater, and building out this city block is kind of a unique incarnation of the kingdom, if you will. And we can certainly talk about some of those things. But I think for the record, I would say that uh, my first attempt at church planning, John, was a fail. We had a core group. We had a, a plan. We had a bank account. We failed. And that's what got us from Chicago to DC. And so I look back on it now and I'm so grateful. And I think one of the lessons I've learned is that the, the cure for the fear of failure is not success. It's failure in small enough doses that you build up an immunity to it. And so we had one of those early success, <laughs> early failures. And my uh, first really business failed thing. too. We, uh, we tanked that we, it, yes. we tanked it beautifully. I mean. And it's a gift, isn't it? It didn't feel like it at the time. Oh, of course not. But in hindsight, I learned so much from that about what not to do. But you know what else I learned, though? I actually, when I really looked at it, because my fingers were pointed at other people. And when I actually uh, got some great mentorship and took responsibility for how I was showing up, for how I was, the attitudes that I was bringing into situations and for the actions that I took and my role in the results, 
literally, and I had a, an amazing mentor that helped me kind of process through to that place was absolutely transformational. It was a pivot. That period of time for me was a pivot point in my business career. Mm. Had I not taken responsibility for that, because when you're not taking responsibility for it, you'll never set yourself up to learn from it because then it's not your experiences. It's somebody else's or something that happened to you, not something that happened for you, if that makes sense. Yeah, so true. So true. Well, I think those failures are a gift. And, uh, you know, nine times out of 10, success is well-managed failure. And I love that. I don't know anybody who's, you know, really that good at anything when they first start doing it, but uh, they keep on keeping on. So that's, I guess that's what we've done over the last uh, 25 years. And it's been a fun journey and uh, excited about just some of the things that are over the horizon. And I don't want to give the impression that all those dreams have come true. One of my dreams is making a movie and, uh, I have a movie script that I'm shopping right now, but I've been shopping it for two years, John. So I have my fair share of goals and well, dreams. Let's talk afterwards because I know a guy that knows a guy that knows a guy. Okay, I love no, it. No, seriously, I, I know some guys in that world that I'd love to connect to you and help you out with. I love it. Well, and that kind of brings us to today, right? Um, I, you know, it's interesting. You know, I think with the Dream Center, right? One of the things you write about in the book is that there's so many people that we delay we downsize, you know, God puts something on our heart and we, we dismiss it without taking the time to examine it. Did maybe God put that there? Is that a dream? Is that a direction he wants me to move forward toward? And I think a lot of it is we don't know how to start. Um, we want to play safe. We've been burned in the past. We've taken risks without maybe knowing how to assess risk where it felt like it burned us or depending on where our identity is and our self-image. And this has been me, right? When my first business failed, I was, I was, I was mortified. I felt like I'd let everybody down. I felt like all my friends from high school were talking behind my back. Guess what? They didn't care. How's that? Right. We're kind of playing to the band the, you know, the grandstands from high school and guess what? Everybody else has also moved on with their life. But that's not how it feels, though, in the moment sometimes. And really what you're doing is you want us, you're encouraging us through this to really get back to a God-sized goal. And I remember, like, I kind of laid out my financial goals for this year, and I shared them with a friend. He goes, well, John, you can do that on your own. Where's God's role in this? But you know what that was, Mark? That was me playing safe. Yeah. And he goes, you know what? Why don't you 2X all that? I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> but you know what? I'm so glad he challenged me because when he challenged me to 2X it, I had to really rethink everything I do and why I do it. So with that said, you know, what really led to you think this book at this time in your career and why now? Yeah, those are great questions. I think going into 2021, the timing is pretty fantastic because everybody's ready to hit that reset button. And, you know, I'm a big believer in, in life goals. I think it sanctifies the reticular activating system, this part of the brain that determines what we notice and what goes unnoticed. And you won't accomplish 100% of the goals you don't set. That said, mm. you have to reverse engineer those goals into daily habits. And so show me your habits and I'll show you your future. And, uh, I think this is a book that brings us back to basics as the world is kind of spinning around us. 
you know, with the COVID crisis, with the racial tension and the political polarization and kind of all of these things that are happening in culture, you know, what I've learned is you got to go back to basics. You got to make sure that you're have the right daily rhythm and rituals and habits. And so the book is really intended to help people deconstruct, reconstruct their habits, reverse engineer those things. And uh, I guess in an elevator speech, John, that yesterday is history, tomorrow is mystery. You got to win the day. And if you do that one day at a time, some pretty amazing things uh, can happen. Well, you know what? That would be a great title for a book, dude. Win the day. I'm just saying my <laughs> two cents go with it. <laughs> so, I like your punch. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm like a free copywriter. I love so it. Here's a question for you, right? This is some, I think, because we have a lot of people listening that are business owners, they're in business, they're entrepreneurs, they're coaches. There's like this tension between being in the moment and living in the day, right? That next small step for today and setting goals, right? My goal, like I said, hey, my goals for the year and I looked at them. When you're working with people and, and yourself, right? How do you balance that between trusting God in the moment and also setting those goals for my, you know, myself, right? My organization, whether it's my church or a company, a nonprofit I'm working in, right? Fundraising goals, revenue goal. I'd love your thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, when I can, I like citing uh, studies. And I think this is a, might be a Daniel Gilbert, Matthew Killingsworth, average person, 46.9% of us aren't thinking about what we're doing in the moment. In mm -hmm. other words, we're half present half the time. And the key really is living in these daytime compartments. And so part of what I do in the book, uh, the first two habits are burying dead yesterdays. The last two habits are about imagining unborn tomorrows because you need to own the past so it doesn't own you and you need to imagine mm. the future. But then it's about really living in the moment and winning the day one day at a time. And so uh, try to break that down, John, in a way that makes it um, practical. But let me just kind of keep this real. And this goes to a pretty serious place in my soul pretty quickly. But today, the day that we are recording this podcast is a significant day for me because it was 23 years ago today that my father-in-law passed away at 55 years of age. And we got one of those phone calls you never want to get. And every year on this day, I'm back in that place reminded that tomorrow is no guarantee. And so literally, this is the first day and last day of my life. That's my mindset. You know, John Wooden, the famous coach, said, make every day a masterpiece. That was kind of his, his mantra. And uh, I think it was Sir William Osler who said, live in daytime compartments. I would use that language of winning the day. And it's not self-help. This is, give us this day our daily bread. This is the day that the Lord has made. Take up your cross daily. Uh, don't let the sun go down on your anger. His mercy is new every morning. Don't worry about tomorrow. All of these are these biblical concepts that are so critical that if we could master this simple idea, wow, 
there would be a lot less guilt about yesterday, a lot less worry about tomorrow, and we would be 100% present to really live the kind of life that God's called us to. So, John, this is serious stuff. I mean, I think a third of Americans struggling with depression and anxiety right now. I'm telling you, this is the solution. And so I think it's pretty critical that, you know, the conversation kind of starts right here. And I, I get into some of the philosophy and the neurology, but I also get into some of the theology that every day is a gift from God. And so let's start right there. You know, I love what you said. I, my own experience, I think when I've struggled with depression and anxiety, it's when I really start to move out of the present. That future focus, I feel, you know, unqualified for either what's next or I'm not up to the task, especially in light of if I look in the past and I almost look at some of the mistakes. I'm like, who am I to think I could do whatever X, Y, or Z? And so we're going to dive into this because um, the other thing, the, your approach to this, which I think is so helpful for us, right? It's not self-help. It's not about, hey, let's replace our stinking thinking. It's actually about habits, right? Every single one of us, every single day, right? Something happens in our event. It doesn't matter. The alarm clock goes on. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. Somebody crosses their arms while you're talking in a meeting. All of a sudden, your brain is engaged. There's a thought. That thought leads to how you feel about it, and you actually choose your actions out of feeling, right? Like, hey, confident, anger, guilt, shame, right? All these places. Our brain wants to be incredibly efficient, and it builds all of these into habits. And what, Mark, what you outlined in here is seven habits as we move from actually habits that are not serving us forward. Let's take some time and work on replacing those. So, before we talk about these seven habits, because this is something I've worked really hard on because I had some really bad habits, a lot around anger and a lot of it with identity issues. What is your advice to folks out there that you know either know they have bad habits or willing to do a little bit of introspection, some self-awareness and identify those bad habits, but then how do we break them? Yeah, well, it's a little bit easier said than done, but every habit is learned, which means every habit can be unlearned. And we have tremendous capacity. Maybe we can talk a little bit about habit stacking, which is probably mm. an idea that, that some people are familiar with. I would add something to the mix, something I would call habit switching. And it's this idea of positive addiction that a guy named Dr. William Glasner wrote about, I think it was in the 1970s. You can't just stop doing something. In fact, the way I would say it is this, you don't stop sinning by not sinning. Uh, you need a vision that's bigger and better than the temptation that you're facing. And so you've got to find a positive addiction to replace the negative addiction. And so if you want to break uh, a sin habit, try building a prayer habit or a Bible reading habit or something that, or an accountability habit. So habit switching, I think, is hugely important. And then, you know, it's that reverse engineering of it starts with the first domino. And so, John, there are people who would say, I'm a complainer. Okay, if you say so. If you're looking for something to complain about, you will always find it. Here's how I would approach it. Start keeping a gratitude journal. And every single day, write down one thing that you are genuinely grateful for. And here's what will happen. Over time, you will flip the script. 
which happens to be habit one. You give it enough time, you will not be a complainer anymore. No, you'll be someone who functions with a profound sense of gratitude, but it doesn't just happen by saying, I'm going to be a grateful person. No, you got to keep a gratitude journal. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. I think part of that is journaling those thoughts and ideas and those gratitudes that are going to keep us in the right head space and the right heart space. Yeah, and I think um, if we think about all the stuff in the past I had, as I was kind of going through this whole recovery process after my accident, Mark, and I had somebody uh, sit down with me and have me chart on a big piece of paper that we drew a line through the middle. And he goes, I want you to chart your spiritual journey, your highs and your lows. I want you to think about like, what are the bright moments and the dark moments and what are they relative to each other and what was happening? What were the transitions? And he asked me, when you look at those low moments, do you look at those from a place of learning and self-knowledge or a place from emotion, pain, or brokenness? And when I first said, I said, well, most of it's learning except for that and that, well, and that, well, and, and that. And I, <laughs> so, but I got to tell you, just seeing it there and then flipping the script and saying, what if I started looking at every single one of these, right? Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. What if God, what if every single one of those is purposeful and is equipping me for something that I, I don't even know is coming and I got to, that allowed me to make a rapid transition. And God used that exercise for me to put everything in context. And like you said, you know, start looking at things totally differently. It really did. That reminds me of flipping the script in, in my own life. Yeah, that's so good. And it's uh, easier said than done. But what's interesting to me, John, is most people, when they hear the word habit, they think about, an external exercise that increases proficiency or productivity. In other words, mm, like working uh, out. Yeah, working out, practicing scales if you're a musician or practicing skills if you play a sport. And that's certainly a powerful thing. But, you know, according to the science of cybernetics, two kinds of change. First order change is behavioral, it's doing something more or less. But it's that second order change, the conceptual, it's mind over matter. And that's where most of us lose the battle. You know, the writer of Proverbs said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so I think starting with those internal mental habits, and by that, you know, I probably just mean our self-talk or internal monologue is so critical to getting all of the rest of those habits right. So as an example, flip the script, right? You start hearing yourself talk from either a victim mindset or a fixed mindset it's really creating this habit of saying, oh, that's not going to serve me well. That's not helping me. How would I change that? What is that coming from a place, taking that, capturing it? And what would God say looking down at me about that? But what you're talking about, though, is intentionally kind of monitoring my self-talk and not saying, hey, I'm really bad at this. I'm a three. I need to be a 10. That might be too big of a leap. But what if you just said to yourself, hey, I'm a three. By the end of this month, what if I just went up a plus one? Yeah. What would it look like to just go from a three on my self-talk about my past and my history and my decisions from a three to a four? Guess what? That'll liberate you. 
folks yeah. listening. I'm telling you right now, don't worry about jumping from a three to a 10. That's too big. You'll fall on your face and break your nose. Yeah. But a three to a four is something I might be able to do in 30 or 60 or 90 days. Yep. That's so good. John, could I share two questions that I found are yeah. absolutely critical? And I share these in the first couple of chapters of the book. The first question is this. Can you do it for a day? Mm, love that question. You know, if you're 75% of New Year's resolutions fail in the first month, and that's because if you think in a one-year timeline, like you feel like quitting before you even get started. So it, you've got to break it down. Can you do it for a day? Almost anybody can do almost anything if they work at it long enough, hard enough, smart enough. That's the whole premise of win the day. And my goal is to help people prove it to themselves, but it's going to happen one day at a time. The second question is this, and it's a hard one. It's the question that my wife asked herself after being diagnosed with cancer. What have you come to teach me? Hmm. Listen, we say to the things that come into our lives that we don't want to happen. John, you've walked a journey yourself with some of the challenges you faced. You Listen, you spent more time in a hospital than any person should have to. And by the way, I had severe asthma growing up. If you added it up, I have spent months of my life in the intensive care unit. So I'm not speaking in a vacuum here. And my wife and I are not out of the woods yet uh, with her cancer. But listen, here's the deal. What have you come to teach me? And I think if we take that mindset, now we begin to learn the lessons that God's trying to teach us. And now we begin to cultivate the character that God's trying to grow within us. Hmm. Hey, I just want you to know too, and if our audience, uh, what's your wife's name, Mark? Laura. If everybody could be praying for Laura when you hear this, she just goes through this and just pray for healing and just so much our community can do as we pray for each other. But just wanted to put that out there. Thank you for sharing that. John, I want to say thanks for that. And uh, I want to delineate because as people read the book, they're going to read that story. But the rest of the story is on the day that I got the first copy of Win the Day, and I shared that story about Laura's battle with cancer and the things that she did with her diet and with even things like laughing more and eliminating mm. toxins. On the day I got the copy of the book, the cancer had come back. Now, I want to say it's non-invasive, it's low energy, and we're confident that we're going to go back at it and get it, but it means another surgery, John, and that's just me keeping it real. Like life, God comes to us disguised as our lives, mm -hmm. and we don't like those low points, those points where you're talking about on the graph. I don't like those points either, but I look back on some of them, including the two days that I spent on a respirator after my intestines ruptured after emergency surgery when I should have died. Mm. I look back on the worst day of my life, and I can honestly say from the vantage point of 23 years later, that may be the best day of my life because I don't take a single day for granted after a moment like that wouldn't want to go through it again, but wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I agree with that. You know, that with what you just said, you make a really beautiful distinction in the book and I'd love for you to expand on it. 
about the difference between minutes and moments. And I think it really ties into what we were just talking about. Yeah. Well, time is measured in minutes, but life is measured in moments. And so it's this idea that God has called us to manage both. Uh, There's a beautiful word in the Greek language that can be interpreted time or opportunity when you come across it in scripture. And it's this word kairos. It's Mm. understanding the moment. It's almost, it's that sixth sense, John, that, you know, you were trained as a fighter pilot. And so you have this skill set, but I bet you would say as a fighter pilot, that there were certain things that weren't on the dials on the dashboard, that they were six cents things. Yeah, we used to call that flying by the seat of our pants. (laughs) Seriously, right? Like it's not on the instruments. Yeah. But you have this gut feeling that, you know what, I need to make this correction. And all of a sudden it was absolutely the right correction. Yep. Now you learn that from actually making a lot of the wrong corrections. John, I don't think any seminary professor has ever interpreted it this way, but Kairos flying by the seat of your pants. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And so now, I want to, I'm trying to apply for a professorship, Mark. Maybe I, you can help yes. me out with that. Come That's, on. All right. Yeah. Hey, well, and you know, I want to manage both. I want to manage the minutes. Yeah. But I also want to steward the moments. And so uh, eat the frog, which is the third habit. I talk a little bit about how you don't find time. You make time. And so that's where I think we've got to get into some of the the art and science, if you will, of really living our lives in a way that recognizes both of those things. Because I don't want to waste minutes and I definitely don't want to waste moments. And it requires a certain mindset. And honestly, I think that mindset is win the day. Yeah. Well, I love what you said. Um in uh, Eat the Frog, if you want God to do the super, you have to do the natural, which means we have to live, especially if we want the permission to have a kingdom influence in the marketplace, we have to operate with excellence. We have to operate on our A game. We owe it. I believe to the Lord, like he says, you know, do everything with all your heart as a, what, as a, not as a witness to me or worship to me. What's the verse, Mark? Yeah. Talking about work. Wholeheartedly, technically, as if your life depended on it. Um, yeah. Now think yeah. about it. When we embrace that. Now imagine if that became our habit, like we're looking at the obstacle. You talked about kiss the wave, right? The obstacle, those things that we see in front of us are not really the enemy. They're actually, it's actually what, it's like pruning, right? And we need yep. that. We're not going to get stronger if we don't, you know, I, yeah, it's such an old trope, right? You go in the gym, you have to whip lates. If there's no resistance, you don't get stronger. Yep. But think about this, emerging through a time like what's happening in our society and our economy right now. When we go through this, folks, there's only one of two things that happen. Nobody maintains maintain status quo. That is a false premise. We either get stronger mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, or we get weaker, or it's a mix of those. And I got to tell you, having those habits that we're talking about here, being in community with other people, that's why I think like reading a book like this with a team where somebody goes, no, I'm, I got this one down. This one's easier for me. Well, my goodness. Well, I am struggling with that big time. And guess you help each other out. You share stories. This next one here, you know, eating, you know, 
Uh, flying the kite. This is how you do. I love this. How you do anything is how you'll do everything. And there's a book, I think it's by Chuck Swindoll. It's about rising. It's, I think the title is Rising Above the Level of Mediocrity. Mm. And what he said was, wherever there's mediocrity in your life, anything else that you think is excellence, but there's mediocrity that exists, you're fooling yourself. Yeah. Because that is the that lowest common. But anyway, if you could maybe walk... Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I just, I just love talking about this stuff because I know it's these kind of habits. My, my prayer for everybody is that you grab onto bigger goals and you develop habits that help you to move toward those goals. You know, might not accomplish them, but in the journey of moving toward them and doing all the right things in the present, you're going to feel a lot better than you probably do right now. Yeah, no doubt. I think, you know, John, it's about doing little things like they're big things. Mm. And so this is so freeing to me. Uh, don't despise the day of small beginnings. And so right now we're, you alluded to it. We're engaged in a developing a city block. We've got about 50 million invested in it so far. And that is a big, hairy, audacious. That's a mind blowing number, Mark. It's, it's I'm a, just being honest with you, right? John, it is a mind blowing number. Okay, yeah. hit the re, hit the rewind though. Yep. And our first year as a church, we were 19 people and our average monthly giving everything was $2,000 a month. You annualize that income, you're talking about a church income of $24,000 in DC, in Washington DC. In Washington DC. And so So that buys you a coffee every other day. Maybe every third day. Yeah. And so we're, you know, it 2000 a month, it costs 1600 to rent the DC public school where we met. Well, that mm. left $400 for our salary and all other expenses. But we have this core conviction that God is going to bless us in proportion to how we give to missions and care for the poor in our city. And so we come through a year like this last year, John, and our giving as a church was not down it was up. And not only was it up, our congregation gave over $600,000 to a COVID relief fund that has helped thousands of people. Our DC Dream Center, we've served 55,000 meals this last year. You don't start there. You never start there. It started with the first $50 check that we gave to missions. It started with mm. the first mission trip we took. Now, we've taken 273 trips since that first trip, but flying the kite, oh, man, the hardest part is getting that kite airborne, right? You got to have your back to the wind and try to get that thing airborne. But once you do, now you can start letting that kite out and uh, some pretty amazing things happen. And so we were talking about this before we started recording that, you know, you overestimate what you can do in a year or two, but you underestimate what God can do in 10 or 20. And, yeah, uh, yeah. and so I hope that's encouraging to people. Well, that's huge. Um, so what I took away from that is, right, whatever starts small can grow big. What I have seen, I think a lot of times when I say, okay, I want to create a movement. I want to create a nonprofit that feeds 55,000. I think it's good to have that in the back of your mind. But I've often seen when people start out big, it ends up small. 
Because you know what? When you're starting out small and you're depending on God and you're working on really understanding who he is, you're understanding who he created you to be, not who you see in the mirror. It's this transformation to actually understanding who God sees when he looks at us. It's often very, very different. And I think that gap, as we close that gap between our, I think our real self and our ideal self, all of a sudden, you know, the, these kind of habits accelerate us closing that gap. That's why I'm so excited about this book. You know, one of the things you see in here, I wish we had more time, but I do want to get to this, right? Is this under, this is habit number five about cutting the rope. Playing it safe is risky. For the folks listening right now with everything in the world, with, with the, I think the level, it just feels like the level of risk is higher, whether that's real or imagined, but it sure feels like it, right? The ambiguity and uncertainty with everything going on in the world right now is at a level that I don't know if we've ever had to process before as we're trying to make decisions in life. So how do we develop this habit of actually not playing it safe as we're trying to move into this unborn tomorrow you talked about? Yeah. Well, John, maybe I can define faith first. I think faith is taking the first step before God reveals the second step. Mm. And so that's critical. And that's a freeing thing because all you need to do is take the first step. But, you know, I think I want to take into account that everybody listening has different letters on the Myers-Briggs, different number on the Enneagram, and has different strengths on the Strengths Finder. So all of us are like incredibly unique, and that includes a unique threshold for risk. And so if you have a harder time with risk, this is going to be a little bit more challenging, but I would say you've got to take those little risks. What do I mean by that? It's filling out the application. It's picking up the phone and making the phone call. It's writing the $85 check to get zoning codes for a crack house that you have a vision to turn into a coffee house. And that 85 bucks is going to be right down the drain unless you can get that property rezoned from residential to commercial. Maybe you can tell that I'm not speaking hypothetically there. It's the $85 risks that we have to be willing to. So that's how the Ebenezer Coffee House started. Yes. It was a crack house. And you said, what if we could get this rezoned? What if we could actually turn this into, now it's become a pillar of creating community in that part of D.C.? Yeah, been voted number one coffee house in D.C. Every penny of profit we give to kingdom causes. And if you had told me, John, how long it would take and how hard it would be, I hate to say it, we wouldn't have done it. But by faith, we took that first step. And then God's favor kept showing up. And so uh, we have served millions of customers and every penny of profit we give to kingdom causes. And so I think God has blessed it because of that. Well, you know, I think there, thank you. I love that story. And, you know, I think there's another side of playing it safe. You say playing it safe is risky. I think the other thing too is when we, if we're constantly playing it safe, that prevents us from ever stepping into our full potential, right? If I ever played it safe as a fighter pilot, I would lose every engagement. Mm. If I played it safe as an entrepreneur, 
you know what? When you're playing it safe, you're not playing to win. You're playing not to lose. And I got to tell you, for some of some of us, that can be really uncomfortable. And that's why I think, you know, being part of a church, being in community with a Bible study or a forum or a mastermind group of other kingdom-minded believers that are on this journey with us to help push us and challenge us and maybe start seeing stuff in us that we don't see in ourselves yet. Yeah. Having those folks, those mentors around us, right? Like, uh, I, you know, vicariously, when I read In a Pit with a Lion on the Snowy Day, Mark, you did that for me. I'm like, you know, what if? You started creating possibility. Like, what if I chased bigger dreams? What if I saw a lion across a pit and I'm like, yeah, bring it versus, oh man, I'm going to die. Right. And I love the work you're doing. I don't think you even understand, right? Like what you wrote as your first book, what you have 19 books now, um, you put it out there in the world and a friend of mine read it and raved about it and shared it with me. And it was, it had a huge impact on me. That's why I'm so excited you're here now. And so just think about all those little things that we do. We take that risk. We put it out there. That's why our company is called Live Beyond Influence. Think about that. You wrote a book. You don't know who John Ramstead is sitting here in Denver until we just met today. But you had an influence on my life because of that book. And that book and other stuff that I've read of you and followed you and watched from your sermons has an influence on what I speak and how I think and what I share. Mm. And here's the thing. Every single one of us out there listening right now, we want this place to be a better place. You know what? When we turn toward God and develop that relationship, every single one of these seven habits is absolutely rooted in kingdom principle in scripture. Folks, I really hope you take this book, read it with your teams, whether you're a church, a nonprofit, and a business or a family. When we learn how to pray, and pray for what is God to reveal his will, what he's doing in this world and how we join him. These habits help us to join God in what he's already doing. Cause I've shifted away. I've, I don't know whether this is just me, but instead of praying for God's will for my life, Mark, it's been a shift toward God, please reveal what your will is out in the world. Mm-hmm. Cause it's so much bigger than me. And how, what do I need to do to join you? Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing is, you know, this is back from Second Chronicles, right? And we have to repent, turn away from our, our wicked ways. And he's in that verse, he's speaking to us as the body of Christ. Mm. Our pride, our arrogance, our dependence on things other than God. There's so much stuff out there. Yeah. But, you know, Mark, I got to, I'm, this is a long way for me to say thank you for who you are and what you've done. You've made yeah. an impact on me. And I'm just absolutely thrilled to get you to meet you in person. So, everybody, the, how do people connect with you, reach you, find you? It's National Community Church. If anybody's in D.C. and wants to um, go to uh, in-service or virtual services. And how else do they connect with you, Mark? Yeah, markbatterson.com. Uh, folks can read a sample chapter. And uh, we've got a fun trailer for the book as well as And that's Batterson kind of, with a B. Bravo. Yep. Yes. Yes. And uh, Slugger Batterson. (laughs) And so people can, uh, you know, some value adds there as well, just free downloads. And then I'm on social at Mark Batterson and uh, would certainly love to connect with people. And John, what a joy to be able to have 
have the convo and and we are kindred spirits and uh, just love the work that you're doing and the way that you're coaching people. Well, thanks, Mark. And, you know, you know, being the black hole that you are, <laughs> you know, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of cool. Like the black hole sucks everything in. Yeah. So you've become the antithesis of that initial nickname, which actually I kind of like the, the play on words there. Uh, but, you know, as we, as we wrap up, what are just some, everybody who's been listening to this whole conversation, just final thoughts, prayer, encouragement you have for folks? Yeah, maybe two final thoughts. One, you'll never be ready. If you wait until you're ready, you're going to be waiting for the rest of your life. Uh, I live by this little mantra, go set ready. And so I'm not at all saying that you don't do the groundwork, the due diligence, you know, uh, that's really, really important. But at, at some point, you have to seed the clouds, which is that seventh habit. You've got to take a step of faith and put it out there. The final thing I would say, John, is sin will complicate your life in a negative way, in a way it wasn't meant to be complicated. Blessings will complicate your life in a way it should be complicated. So when I got married, it complicated my life. Praise God for 28 years of complication. Uh, we have three complications named Parker, Summer, and Josiah. I can't imagine my life without those complications. You know, seven campuses is a lot more complicated than one. Praise God. And I've heard the more money you make, the more taxes, more complicated your taxes will be. And so I am praying that people would, uh, their lives would be complicated by the blessing of of God. The reward in the parable of the talents is not early retirement or extra vacation time. The reward for good work is more work. And so may God complicate your life in a holy and healthy way that will advance his kingdom. May his kingdom come, may his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's just, just turned into a prayer. Amen. In name. Amen. Oh, that's beautiful. Mark, you are awesome. You rock. If there's anything me or the community can ever do for you, you're welcome back at any time. Uh, I think we should do this weekly. What do you think? Just come <laughs> on. It. We'll make I it happen. It. Let's win the day together in 2021. <laughs> All right, man. You're awesome. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, John.